You can tell by how quick I want to get into the show. How, like, I've just been sitting around waiting. I've been waiting for Valenny and Boomer to be done with their show. I've just been, I've been like, all right, let's go. Let's get this thing off and running. Let's do this. I feel fantastic today. Today's the first day I implemented something new into my diet. You guys have no, you guys know I've been doing a lot of protein shakes. And, and in doing a lot of protein shakes, I've been like, I need more food in my day. Protein shakes in one meal is just not enough food for me. So I was like, all right, what do we do? I went for healthy. I threw an, uh, so I make my daughter breakfast every morning, right? And my daughter's 11 months old, so she did, like her variety isn't very large, but she likes eggs. So I, I make her some eggs, and uh, that's just what she has every morning, right? She gets two eggs, and she loves them. At least she gives me the impression that she loves them, and so I've stayed with it. And so I was thinking to myself, like, what can I make? And I made avocado toast and put egg on top of it, and it was delightful. Avocado toast needs better PR, I, they could be oatmeal with flavor if they wanted to be. I don't know why it's like at some point in life, people just started hating on avocado toast as if it was the like only people in California could eat it or something. And I don't know where it got lost, but I love it. It was fantastic. And I actually did a really good job like slicing up the, 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 the avocado and then like actually like mashing it together and then making it all work. And it came out the way you like, you know, every now and then you try to make something and it doesn't come out right. This one came out perfect. I just felt good. It was just a good way to start the day. Ran a little bit today, too. And then uh, now here we are. I spent all day talking about all sorts of different sporting stuff and getting myself ready for different uh, sporting stuff. If, like, Mark Norman always yells comedy, I'm going to start yelling sports at some point. Sports. Just a great day. Just had a wonderful day so far. And we got a Cavs game that's going to be happening here. We'll talk about that when that's done. Rob Long, our buddy from 105.7 The Fan in Baltimore, is going to join us a little bit later on as well. It's got a big day, easy day. You know, I heard Afternoon Drive earlier today. And I got to tell you, they were in F off Friday mode, and I, I was really enjoying it. I was really enjoying the idea that they were able to just kind of like ease into it. And it had me kind of thinking – uh, you know, we had Tiesto Thursday last night. I need to ease into my my own version of the F off Friday. But there was something that I couldn't let go. And there was something that, uh, I, listen, I know today is going to be a lot about the NFC and AFC title games. And we're not going to spend forever on this. We are not. But uh, in doing this show, I basically made a promise to myself, which I am extending off as a promise to you guys, that I would cover the Browns like a Snuggie. If anything on the Browns of ins- of of substance happens, I'm not just going to duck and hide. I-, I feel like a lot of different radio hosts they get to like pick and choose the different things. For me in this in the off season, for a five hour solo show, I can't be so picky. Not gonna be so picky. I'm gonna make a meal out of anything that is served, and I feel good about that. I really do. I'm not forcing this topic. I'm not forcing this subject. I'm just telling you guys out of the gate. I'm not spending all night on this one either. I'm not going to make the biggest deal in the world about it, but I do think it's interesting. I think I owe it to you guys who care about the Browns, who have interest in the Browns, to at least keep you guys up to date on the latest within Deshaun Watson. Because right now, all we are, we're just prisoners to Deshaun Watson's YouTube page. That's all we are. It's okay. It's not the end of the world. But when he he rolls that Molotov cocktail across the floor last week and he mentions everything, Now I'm thinking about me rolling with the Molotov cocktail. I haven't said that since Ken and Anthony gave me a hard time about it like a year ago. I think it was about a year ago at this time. We'll strike that one from the record. Just strike it completely. Forget I ever said it. We had retired that phrase up into the rafters. Now we're back into it. Regardless. 
We are prisoners to Deshaun Watson's YouTube channel. That's okay. That's fine. When last week he says Kevin Stefanski and himself, when talking about the first 15 plays and the scripted plays, when he says he doesn't necessarily enjoy the first 15 plays, I told you guys at that time one of two things is happening here. Either Deshaun Watson never expressed this to Kevin Stefanski, a guy that he apparently is supposed to be in in strong conversations with, and according to Stefanski, they talk every single week. Well, guess what? That's not great. Or number two, he went to Stefanski, told him he didn't like the first 15 plays, and Stefanski ignored that. And I also thought that was not great as well. You are in one of those patented lose-lose situations that aren't good for anybody. Here was Deshaun Watson, though. On Lockerverse, this is him and Quincy talking about, uh, you know, all sorts of things within the 15 plays and, and how he doesn't want to be a complainer. Here we go. I never said I was complaining about anybody. You can go to any coach that done coached me, any player that done played with me. Foe ain't going to complain about nothing. I'm going to put it all on front street and put it on the table. If I got something to say, I'm going to speak it, and that go from coaches and all. I just said, me as a player, if you look at my career history, I've always gotten better better the course of the games, the course of the seasons. That's just me from college, from high school, regardless. So, like, that's what I was speaking on. I've never been a fan of the first 15. I'm not saying I never sat here and been like, hey, coach, I don't want to do the first 15, just call random plays. No, I'm going to run the 15 and, and as, try to execute as best of my ability. But for you to sit up here and say that I'm complaining when you ain't even spoke to me or even you don't even know the situation behind what I'm saying, then like you can't sit here and say I'm complaining. I've never complained once. What do you think you are publicly doing right now? What do you think this is? You You can't complain to a podcast and a YouTube audience and then act like you're not complaining straight to Kevin Stefanski's face. It's not how it works. It's kind of like, so in radio, we have a lot of people that are passive aggressive and we have a lot of people that'll make comments about other radio hosts and they'll do certain things and that's fine. It's all it's all in good fun for the most part, right? But like if I had actual problems with a radio host here, actual problems, I like everyone that's a host in this station and I I tend to believe that I am well-liked by most people, if not every single host. I can't find one that wouldn't like me, so let's play with the idea that every host likes me here at the station, okay? But let's make up a name. Let's say we had a guy named uh, Jon Snow. I, I never watched Game of Thrones, but first name that came to my head. Jon Snow is a radio host at this station. Let's say I got real beef with Jon Snow. I might not tell Jon Snow to his face that I got a problem with him. But if I go on these airwaves and I'm like, that Jon Snow, I just don't get it. The man cannot make up his mind to say, uh, he, he can't make a, he can't formulate an argument. He, he doesn't know what the hell he's talking about in sports. The man just doesn't understand the game at all. And by the way, I think his analogies suck. I think his humor is from 1985. And I think he's just the worst sports talk radio host I've ever heard in my life. If I go on the air and say that, I'm saying that to his face. 
That's what I'm doing. I am effectively telling Jon Snow that he sucks. Because anytime I speak about any host on this station, the host gets tagged. The host gets, he's very well aware of what happened in those moments that I talked about that host. And I only know that because every time another host talks about me on this station, I instantly get tagged. Somebody lets me know. It's either a tagged uh, in my mentions on Twitter or someone texts me, if not a combination of both. And I instantly know. You are foolish if you think yelling or complaining on Twitter or podcast or YouTube is not directly complaining about Kevin Stefanski. You can't say four doesn't complain when all four did last week was directly complain about the first 15. You don't get let off the hook there. I'm sorry, friend. It doesn't work that way. Deshaun, I'm in your corner. I've always been in your corner here. I like being in your corner. I'm going to be in your corner on this one too in a moment. But the very first part of this is the reality of it all. You can't say anything on the podcast and act like you're saying it. Act like you're not saying it to their face. You're saying it directly to their face. Kevin Stefanski, the same way you were tagged in that clip you were talking about, is the same way Kevin Stefanski, I promise, was tagged in the first clip you mentioned the scripted plays that you didn't enjoy, and the same way I'm sure Kevin Stefanski and his burner account or wherever he gets his information was either texted to, found out, tagged in, whatever, about what you said the second go-round. I mean, actually, you know, like, sports teams do have people that collectively gather up anything of substance and importance that the head coach should know. Maybe that just made made it across his desk that way. But I would imagine somebody, if I'm spending hours talking about it on the radio, I would bet dollars to donuts somebody is sending it to Kevin Stefanski the same way somebody sent it to you when a media member here in this city complained about yourself. And in what was, I believe, for my money, not a situation where he was complaining about you at all. He was more just being real about things. 216474 to below 92. So, like, save me on that one. I'm sorry. You're not getting I'm – not, I'm not buying it. But here's where I'll come to your defense. Not that you need me to. I know you don't. But here's where I come to your defense. You got to tell Stefanski how you feel. But more importantly, you got to not worry about whether or not people care if you're a complainer or not. In that building, you need to not care whether or not somebody thinks that you complain. You need to not be a go-with-the-punches type guy. I'm sorry. You're not just going for employee of the month with your attitude, okay? That's not how you're going to get there. You want the stupid plaque on the wall that says employee of the month? How about you throw for a million touchdowns and a million yards and get the Browns at the Super Bowl? That'll win you employee of the month. Michael Jordan was one of the worst, quote-unquote, employees you'd ever see in the history of life. He punched teammates. He yelled at coaches. But Michael Jordan got, got six titles, and he did it his way. That's the same exact thing you need to be doing, Deshaun Watson. You can't be out here. You're not in the making friends business. You're not in the, uh, when I leave here, I just want Kevin Stefanski to tell people that I, I went with the flow and I was, a, I was a good soldier. You're not a good soldier. You're the head of the army. You're not a soldier. You are the army. My goodness. I need you to have a real conversation with Kevin Stefanski. Not a conversation with Quincy. A real conversation with Kevin Stefanski where the two of you sit down and you tell him how you don't like to do the first 15. And then from there, I would imagine, based off of what we've seen with Kevin Stefanski in history, I would imagine Kevin Stefanski 
will ditch the first 15 and do it however the hell you want to. It's not wild or unheard of when the man threw a completely different playbook out there for DTR, the same way he threw at a, at a different playbook out there for P.J. Walker and a different one for Joe Flacco with the plays he called at least. The playbook might have been the same, but the plays he called were entirely different. Joe Flacco got to rip it and throw for a million yards. DTR wasn't allowed to do any of that. Like He adjusts. Every good coach does. 216-474-0092. Your thoughts on Deshaun reacting within the play calling. Again, we're not spending all day on this. We're really not. I'm going to get to the AFC, NFC, some of the, the championship games coming up in about 15 minutes or so. I want a little bit more reaction on this. I want your reaction as well because a lot of the responses from yesterday, you guys told me you're worried about the mental side with Deshaun Watson. This one isn't great when it comes to how he's currently viewing this YouTube series and the reality of it. Because you can't tell me you're not complaining when you're directly talking to Kevin Stefanski. But also, he did bring up a name for the Browns, and it's a name I brought up in the past. And if hey, if he wants to play GM, I like this idea. I'll tell you what it is. It's overtime with Jonathan Peterwin here with you. Just a couple minutes, I promise. I told you guys I'm not spending all day on this Deshaun Watson stuff. I think it's fascinating. I do think it's worth the time, but I'm not going to spend all day with it. I said what I had to say. I got it off my chest. And uh, I, I really do believe that there were some interesting things that Deshaun Watson had to say. I just think you can't call yourself not a complainer when you're when you're complaining. That, that And you can't act like you're not directly calling out Kevin Stefanski and telling him what you want and what you need when you're doing it through a podcast. It just doesn't work that way. Like, the, like podcasts aren't secret text messages between friends. They're not even secret, just like a text or a phone call between friends that like, oh... Hey, the friend ended up telling him, and I feel bad about that. Like, no, that's not how that works. They're, they're, it's uh, as public of a thing as you can get. The same way people tagged you and told you about a media member in this town talking about you is the same way that I'm sure Kevin Stefanski was alerted that you didn't like the first 15 plays. It's all right. I don't begrudge you for it. As I said earlier in the week, if you wanted a 10-piece mariachi band on the sideline, then they'd have to deliver that for you. Get them sideline passes. Go ahead. Doesn't bother me one bit. That's what they should do, though. If you wanted every Gatorade cooler to be red in the entire brown sideline, then they would have to do that for you. I'm all right with that. And I do think really good coaches bend to really good quarterbacks and what they do best. And I think Stefanski has shown us throughout the history that he's willing to do that. You know, you ever hear like interviews with Sean McVay? Sean McVay constantly says how oh, Kirk Cousins is like his dream quarterback that he wants to coach for. Dream quarterback. Would love to coach Kirk Cousins because Kirk Cousins will do whatever Sean McVay wants him to do. He just executes. So he's very much like Brock Purdy. They're robots, right? They, you tell them to do, tell them to jump. They say how high, and then they execute how high you wanted them to jump. That's just, that's who they are. Well, when it comes to Sean McVay, he didn't have that. He had Matthew Stafford. And he won a Super Bowl. He had Jared Goff, and Jared Goff went to a Super Bowl. Good coaches can find ways to bring out the best in quarterbacks that aren't their ideal quarterback. That's how this should work. All right. Another thing on this, courtesy of the locker verse, this was Deshaun Watson, and I think you're gonna I think you're gonna be fascinated by this. Uh saying he'd be very interested in T. Higgins joining the Browns. You know, that that's that's what we're gonna do. We're gonna pass it a lot, you know what I'm saying? To Chubb and Ford. He ain't gotta leave the state. He ain't he, gotta leave the state. <laughs> 
And we're going <laughs> to take good care of you. The Cleveland fans are going <laughs> to love you. They're going to love you to death. And we got the Clemson ties. We didn't get to play with each other, but this is our opportunity. So, like, man, come on over to the land. Man. <laughs> we get laid over here, I'm telling you. You said, you know, I didn't know what's up. I made this case like a week ago, maybe a week and a half ago. I was like, how about T. Higgins? Now, I think T. Higgins is going to get franchise tendered, and then you'd have to actually trade for T. Higgins. You'd have to trade for him and then give him a massive deal on top of that. So, I don't know how interested the Browns are. I mean, I imagine they're interested. But with the flexibility they have and everything, it might be a little bit tougher to pull off. But this tells me that I was 100% right in the Deshaun Watson discussion from last summer. Remember the, or excuse me, DeAndre Hopkins discussion from last summer. Do you remember the DeAndre Hopkins discussion? So DeAndre was open, and then Deshaun Watson came out. The, the Browns were at a, a golf tournament here in Cleveland, and Deshaun spoke, and Deshaun was like, yeah, I think he'd be great for any team. But he wasn't making a pitch for him. And the theory I came up with was that Deshaun Watson was looking out for a friend. And he was going to vouch for his friend, but he didn't actually want to play with DeAndre Hopkins. Everything in his words told me that was what it was. He didn't want to actually play with him, but he wanted to try to get his friend as much money as he possibly could. And that's what that was. You want to hear him try to actually lobby to get a player? That was it right there. And... I kind of love it. Let the front office know. Let everyone in Berea know who exactly you want on this team. And then, like marching orders, they should go out there and try to do the very best they can to get that done. I'm not saying you got to pay through the you-know-what to go ahead and get T. Higgins. But T. Higgins is legitimately a number one in this league that's been treated like a number two because he's always played with Jamar Chase. Like, I mean, he's there. In the Joe Burrow era... T. Higgins has been very, very good. And the gamble the Bengals had made was an interesting one because they could have traded him last year, probably got a first pick in return, but they decided to run it all back one more time, and then clock struck midnight didn't work for him because uh, Joe Burrow's injury. Them's the breaks. All right, 216474 to below 92. I'm sorry. I had to get a couple Deshaun Watson things off my chest. We spent a lot of time talking about Deshaun, I know, but uh, he spoke. He's giving us what I've always wanted a Browns quarterback to be giving us, which is weekly content. Weekly, uh, listen, I've always wanted it to be like a guest hit on this radio station or something like that. Kind of like when Ben Roethlisberger had his hit on 93.7 The Fan in Pittsburgh and every person that was around Pittsburgh would tune in and listen to that. A lot of quarterbacks have had their own shows. Tom Brady has his own show. A lot of guys that have had their own shows I've always wanted that for a Browns quarterback. And that's fine. The way the new media space works, he'll make so much more money doing a podcast and doing it this way than he would by just coming on this station, let's say, once a week. It's a, it's it's just new media. It's new media and how it works and how it operates. He's trying to build it up like Cam Newton has, where Cam Newton's got a million YouTube subscribers and will make more on YouTube than ESPN could ever pay him. It's just a new model is all it is. It's not It's not good or bad, but it gives me the content either way. And I, I want to break it down for you guys a little bit. That's all that is. All right, let's get you guys ready for these games. 216-474-0092. On Twitter, there you can find me. I am at JPuto and Twitter Reactions. Brought to you by our friends over there at Chabin Jewelers, Cleveland's premier jewelry store. Question I have for you guys. Are you tired of seeing the Chiefs just win? Or is it everything else that made you sour on them? I think this might be me 
just being a kid that grew up in Chicago in the 90s. But I've always rooted for greatness. I think greatness is fun. I really do. And, and I feel like we root for individual greatness a lot. Tiger, MJ, LeBron, Brady. But when it comes to team greatness, because I think we detach ourselves from the individual player, I feel like it's easier to hate teams than it is players. You get tired of the Yankees much quicker than you get tired of Jeter. It's just how we operate. I don't know if we ever got tired of, let's say, the Bulls dynasty. I, I, I was a kid. I was, I was 10 years old. I know I didn't because I grew up with them, right? I'm a, I'm a kid in the south side of Chicago. I had a million different Jordan jerseys. Like I, That's what I'm going to love. So maybe it's not the best frame of reference. Warriors, I thought, got annoying because of Draymond. But I don't remember everyone in the country turning on the Warriors. I know we turned on the Warriors here, but I don't think everyone in the country turned on the Warriors. Only problem I have with the Chiefs making the Super Bowl this year is that it will give me a sense of why bother because the Chiefs aren't supposed to win this season. Their offense showed the first signs of being human. Mahomes had the worst season we've ever seen him have as a pro. For 17 weeks, Travis Kelsey looked like he was starting to to lose that battle with Father Time. If we can't get them now, when can we ever get them? That's what I'm worried about. This is as vulnerable of a Chiefs team as we've ever seen them be, in the Patrick Mahomes era at least. If if the Ravens don't get them, who's ever going to get them? Baltimore is a dominant team. They are an absolute juggernaut. They have one of the best defenses, if not the best defense in the NFL. Sorry, Browns fans. Our home road splits absolutely destroy us in that argument. Uh, Baltimore's been the number one team as far as defense is concerned for my money. If you made me choose one defense, if we're playing at Cleveland Browns Stadium, I'm choosing the Browns. If we're playing anywhere else on planet Earth, I'm choosing that Ravens defense. Kyle Hamilton, Roquan Smith, that D-line is absolutely ferocious. I'm sorry. It's what I'm choosing right now. They have amazing defense, MVP-winning quarterback, Hall of Fame head coach. They beat every tough team that they were supposed to. It's kind of surprising how they even ended up losing four games, looking at how awesome they were. Top offense, top defense, battle-tested, won every battle, had four-plus games winning by double digits against teams we believe to be awesome. I can go on all day long about how great they were this season. If they can't win, then the Chiefs will have shown they have just absolutely unlocked winning football in a way that I just can't comprehend. I'm not rooting for Baltimore. And I don't want you guys to root for Baltimore either. I really truthfully don't. I'm not rooting for Baltimore, and I know the hatred attached to the Ravens. But there is a part of me, even though I'm rooting for the Chiefs, and I've always liked the Chiefs. I like Mahomes a lot. It's just kind of one of those things. I knew instantly uh, that he was going to be a, a great quarterback, and then I've watched him mature, I've watched him evolve, and now six straight AFC title games, three Super Bowl appearances, now on his second Super Bowl. Uh, he's won two Super Bowls, this will be number three this year. I just believe he might end up being the greatest of all time. So I like rooting for greatness. I like rooting for Patrick Mahomes. But if the Ravens don't win this year against the Chiefs, in a game that if you just looked at it on paper, and lined everybody up. The advantage goes in the quarterback section 
The advantage still goes in the coaching section, but that is a razor-thin margin that those advantages are as Lamar's in a season where he's going to win his second unanimous league MVP award, and John Harbaugh is legitimately one of the best coaches in the game. It is razor, razor-thin. You know, last year, for instance, when it was against the Eagles, the difference between Mahomes and Hurts is a Grand Canyon-sized difference, and the difference between Reed and Sirianni, I don't even think we can measure it's that far and that wide. But in this game, it's close. So the Chiefs still have the advantage that way. But you line these two teams up, and the Ravens are legitimately a better roster by a wide margin. Wide margin. Vegas only has it at four out of respect to Patrick Mahomes. And basically, I think what is happening here is that they can't explain why Patrick Mahomes is consistently as good as Patrick Mahomes is in big-time games. But let me ask you, 216474 to below 92. Are you tired of seeing the Chiefs win, or is it everything else that made you sour on them? And I'm playing with the assumption that America's tired of Kansas City here because I look around – And all I see is people rooting for Baltimore this weekend. And I know it's different here in Cleveland because not everybody is rooting for Baltimore here in Cleveland. Here in Cleveland, you're going to have, I don't know, is it a 50-50 split? Like There are people that grew up hating Baltimore, despising Baltimore. And because of some of the off-field storylines of this, they can't stand the idea of Kansas City. Maybe that's just because you hate Patrick Mahomes' brother and his TikToks. Maybe you can't stand Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift and how it just bombarded every single news site and and internet site that we go on these days. I mean, I went on TMZ Sports for the first time in a very long time the other day. Just yesterday, in fact. I was like, I hadn't been there in a while. Actually, you know what it was? It was was part of me celebrating our Tiesto Thursdays that we did. I was learning more about Tiesto. And uh, TMZ Sports had this big story on him, so I clicked on it, and I went to it, and then I was like, what else do they have? And I'm not kidding. Every other story was about Travis Kelsey. Every other story. Something about this Kansas City team has made you guys completely sour in them. I want to know what it is. 216474 to below 92. Are you tired of seeing the Chiefs win? Do you actually root for greatness the way that you say you do? It's overtime with Jonathan Peterson here with you on The Fan. We've archived all the past episodes so you can hear what you missed, but don't miss the next live episode of Carmen and Lima's Emerging Podcast Scene Tuesday and Thursday mornings at 10.15, presented by Extend Technologies on 92.3 The Fan Extra Channel, part of the Odyssey app. All right, we're getting you guys ready for the AFC-NFC title games. going to be a nice, nice week, and I'll be on CBS Sports Radio tomorrow night right here. All five hours will be cleared right here on The Fan. Looking forward to it. Again, there it's going to be a lot of AFC-NFC conversations that's just that's my life for the next 24 48 hours is what this is and I love it as much as I think the divisional round is my favorite weekend of the sporting event and the sporting calendar I I love divisional round play more than I love the Masters I love divisional round play more than Dustin loves the Australian Open I love divisional round play more than anything I think it's absolutely fantastic conference championship weekend is about legacies though so like as, as as many storylines as can be built up out of the divisional weekend, and there was. Lamar got the monkey off his back, the playoff monkey. He'd won one previously, but it really felt like he needed to win this one in order to really kind of get that to the back burner. Josh Allen bleeped all over his shoes once again, lost another big game to Patrick Mahomes. You know, the usual, usual stuff. 
Championship weekend is about legacies. Championship weekend is where you are taken to a completely another level. Like after this championship weekend, let's say Jared Goff ends up winning and Detroit makes their way to the Super Bowl because Jared Goff outduels Brock Purdy and takes down that San Francisco defense. How Jameer Gibbs can just expose that San Francisco run defense that is 15th in the NFL and completely run all over them the same way that Aaron Jones did. And you know what the, the end result is going to be? People wondering whether or not Jared Goff should get $45 million a year. That'll be the end result. A guy that next year is going to make $31 million in his final year, they're going to wonder if he should make forty-five. At least Kirk Cousins' money. At least Dak Prescott money. Like that, that's what's on the line. And it's more than just the money, though. And it's more, I mean, think about the idea that Jared Goff would have taken two different teams to a Super Bowl. That hasn't been done a million times. We got like five names in the in the modern NFL era that have done it. Like Kurt Warner, it's Peyton Manning, like the names, they it's uh, all sorts of random, very good accomplished quarterback names, but it's it's few and far between. I looked at the list earlier; it's like four or five, not many. What's on the line here for the Kansas City Chiefs, though, I think goes deeper than what a lot of people are expecting. And two one six four seven four to below ninety two. If Mahomes can make it to the Super Bowl again this year, of all years. I think it will be the most impressive feat of his career, and I can't find a way that it isn't. He's had some great Super Bowl games and some great Super Bowl moments. I'm not saying he hasn't. Some big-time games where he's been on the right end of it all, but he's never won when people actually are counting him out the way that they are right now. How many playoff games has Mahomes been a four-point underdog in? I saved myself the pro football reference search earlier today. I live with the idea that that number is going to be zero. Before this postseason, he never played a road playoff game, and now he's got to take on the Ravens in Baltimore for a trip to the postseason a week after taking down Josh Allen in Buffalo. And I'm asking you guys right now if you're tired of the Chiefs and tired of the winning that the Chiefs have done, but let's just be honest about it. Can we please? What Mahomes would be doing would be separating himself where we no longer have like this, you know how there was always a Brady-Manning type thing going on in the NFL? Brady-Manning, which one is the real uh, top dog? And then Brady kind of separated himself at the very end while Manning was retired. There's no version of that. He is Tiger Woods in the early 2000s when we used to try to, like, you'd, you'd bet Tiger versus the field. That's what we're currently doing with Patrick Mahomes. It's Patrick Mahomes versus the field. You guys know I'm not like a big WNBA fan or anything like that, so I'll be quick about this one. I was I was on one of the one of the apps before the women's college basketball tournament, either last year or maybe even a couple years ago. And I know gambling wasn't legal at that point, so I'm assume I'm assume it was last year because it would have made more sense. One of the prop bets that they had up there though was you could take South Carolina or you could take the field. South Carolina, like legendary women's basketball program. This was before you really knew everything about Caitlin Clark and Angel Reese. Maybe I'm going to guess it was two years ago. But it was it was them or the field. That's where we're going to be at with Patrick Mahomes. It's going to be him or the field. If he wins this game, the idea that he could be in a game where he doesn't have as much talent as the other team, as many weapons as the other team, and isn't supposed to win that game will just cease to exist. Because every game that he plays in should be a game that he wins. 
216-474 below 92. That's just the hard reality of it. I'm rooting for the Chiefs because I didn't like the Ravens, and I don't like the Ravens. That's just me being in Cleveland. I was taught to hate the Ravens more than the Steelers, even though most people just hate the Steelers. But something interesting has happened here. I can't tell if it's because of the Taylor Swift, Travis Kelsey, all everything around that. I can't tell if it's Jackson Mahomes. I can't tell if it's Brittany Mahomes. I don't know if you guys got tired of the quarterback series where Patrick Mahomes and Brittany, I thought, came off great. But something happened in the previous couple weeks or so where all of a sudden it feels like rooting on Patrick Mahomes and rooting on the Chiefs, it feels almost dirty to a lot of people. Like you're rooting for a front runner or something, and they're a front runner, but they're the underdog in this game. If at the end of this game we get to a spot where the confetti goes down, Patrick Mahomes is celebrating, he has made his fourth Super Bowl, going to play to try to win his third, can't you just tip your hat and say, okay, we're watching greatness. We're watching one of the best to ever do it. This is just, this is unreal. 216474 to below 92. In a year where the stars have aligned, and they really have aligned for Baltimore, they've got everything going their way. Everything is coming up Baltimore Ravens right now. They were the one seed. They won 13 games. They have a unanimous MVP quarterback. He's about to win his second unanimous MVP award in Lamar Jackson. In an offseason where they spent as much time discussing whether or not they should re-sign that same quarterback and back up the Brinks truck in that same year he then validates not only the big-time contract, but also the idea that he could morph into more than just a running quarterback and really display his passing abilities. And I know when he won the second one, he threw 36 touchdowns and he was still great, but this is just a different level. It's a different level of Lamar, and I could argue if they hadn't started 3-2 and two to open up the year and hadn't, he was still good, but he'd only thrown four touchdown passes in that first little stretch. He would have thrown for 4,000 yards. Would have had a massive passing yard season as well. 216-474-0092. You tired of the uh, the Chiefs there, Dominic? Dominic is a he's a Steelers fan. We need to make that known if you guys don't already know that about Dominic. Dominic's a Steelers fan. Are you tired of the Chiefs with the understanding that uh, Pittsburgh and everyone else in the AFC, if Kansas City wins this game, we're already looking up to Kansas City, but that door that was cracked ajar is going to be permanently closed in my mind, where if Baltimore wins this game, then the door, the door is not only ajar, the door is 100% wide open for teams moving forward to go ahead and take down Mahomes. Yeah, I, I think even Browns fans agree with me here, where if the, if the Ravens win it, it's like, well, it stinks it's an AFC North team and it's not the team that I like, but the Browns beat the Ravens. The Steelers beat the Ravens twice. I understand that the starters weren't in the one game, but like, mm-hmm. I don't fear that. Mike Tomlin has the number of the Ravens, especially of lately with Lamar. Lamar has a losing record against a, a bad Steelers team. But you're scared of Kansas City, are you not? Terrified. I terrified. Because okay. they remind me of, of Tom Brady and the Steelers could have had a few more rings, one or two more, if Tom Brady wasn't as dominant with the Patriots. And so I just get flashbacks of that. I think you have a healthy approach to the Kansas City Chiefs. I don't know that everybody has a healthy approach to the Kansas City Chiefs. And that's why I, I would caution this weekend. If Baltimore wins, this is the double-edged sword. And I told you guys, really, you shouldn't create lose-lose for yourselves here. But I've kind of created a, a lose-lose situation for Browns fans. Because if Baltimore wins, 
then Baltimore wins, and that sucks because you don't want to see them. But here's the positive out of a Baltimore win. It reminds you that you can slay Goliath. It reminds you that Patrick Mahomes bleeds blood as well. Like, you can get after Patrick Mahomes. You can beat Patrick Mahomes. Up until this point, Joe Burrow had been the only person to remind us that that was possible. But in a year where Patrick Mahomes has the worst version of Travis Kelsey we've never seen, played with a receiving core that led the league in drop passes, and looked as human as we've ever seen him, this isn't supposed to be the year that he makes it back to the Super Bowl again. This is supposed to be the year that he falls short. Hell, if everything was scripted the way it was supposed to be, Patrick Mahomes was supposed to lose to Josh Allen last week, and then the AFC would truly feel like it's as wide open as it's ever been. If the Chiefs win this game, then yes, we get Baltimore to lose. That's satisfying. That makes us feel warm and fuzzy inside. We don't have to do two weeks of talking about Art Modell and Baltimore and everything else attached to it. But the problem is we've created and then total and basically sustained the biggest roadblock in NFL history in Patrick Mahomes. When he's supposed to be down and out, all we've ended up doing, this would be fuel to his fire. We are basically injecting him with steroids when it comes to uh, how much his confidence will grow and how much his abilities will grow and everything else when he's able to make it to another Super Bowl in what is supposed to be one of the worst years of Patrick Mahomes' career. And from a statistical standpoint, has been one of the worst years of Patrick Mahomes' career. All right, leave that there. We come on back. We do have a fan-focused tease, by the way. We have a fan-focused tease. We're going to get to the fan focus in a second. But uh, I want to give you a little preview of what you're going to hear within the fan focus and uh, what's coming your way. Here we go. We don't have it? All right. I can't end on that. Let's go to Cameron. Cameron up next in Lodi. What's up, Cameron? I just want to remember Rashad Higgins getting hit by Dan Sorensen um, going into the touchdown, and that changed the whole trajectory of that game, the whole trajectory of the Browns franchise possibly. If they uh, they won that game, I don't think they get rid of Baker Mayfield if you take them to the AFC Championship team that year. And I think they could have beat the Bills. Maybe they can't. Maybe that's just homerism on my part. But to say you're rooting for the Chiefs for greatness, I remember the Chiefs fans celebrating Dirty Dan Sorensen and posting about that. And I don't know how we can forget about those kind of things. So you're rooting for the Ravens? I'm rooting for the end of times. But yeah, rather than the Ravens than that. <laughs> you're, you're rooting for an asteroid to hit uh, midfield and then the game not even be played. Okay. Hey, you know what? They were nice enough to give us uh, their cast off and Joe Flacco buy something else for you. That was a fun run. Ah, I mean, thank you, Cameron. I appreciate you, man. I can't do it. I just I can't find a way to do it. But that, that angle that I've come up with, the idea that if Kansas City wins, I don't know what we're doing next year in the AFC. Whereas if, if Baltimore wins, the door's very wide open to beating Kansas City in the future. Two one six four seven four to below ninety two. Leave that there. We come on back. We got the fan focus. It's overtime with Jonathan Beetle and here with you on the fan.